Welcome to the Jake Brown Podcast. What's up, what's up? What's up, what's up, what's up? God, who who sings that? Is that the 69 boys? I mean, it's probably not. They did that Tootsie Roll song. I used to listen to them. Well, I used to listen to that one song a lot uh, when I was in college. Jesus. Now I'm like dating myself here. Way back in the 90s. Way back in the 90s. I remember my friend, one of my good friends that I ran track with at the old Western Oregon University. We, uh, for whatever reason, we both love that song. And uh, obviously this is before you know, iPhones and all things digital. And we both had the CD <laughs> uh, and we had these, what were they, the, the CD players. And God, you know, you're just going through batteries left and right because those things could last about two hours and then you had dead batteries. So everywhere you went, every road trip we went, you always had to make sure you had extra batteries with you. That way you didn't run out and then you wouldn't have any tunes. But uh yeah, man, that song. Little blast from the past there. Fun fact, since I'm doing a little reminiscing, I am still a part school record holding four by one hundred meter relay team at Western Oregon University. We set that record in 1999, way out east in Florida. A long time ago. I Honestly, I can't believe that record is still standing. Uh, I, apparently, old Western Oregon needs to do a better job of recruiting sprinters. Because uh, no record should last as long as that record has lasted. <laughs> That's, uh, I think, the last time I kind of looked through the old top 10 list, I think that was like the last, one of the last ones out of the, the 90s that was still still there. Man, that was a fun season. That was a fun, uh, that was a fun four years running track there. That relay team, Chris Duran to Jeremy Peel. To myself, to Mike Chapin, and we ran a 40.90. And man, I remember that race. We ran that time at a lane eight, and we left time on the table. We weren't even crisp with our handoffs. So I feel like we had two or three more tenths that uh, we could have squeezed out to add to that record, but it was a good time. Definitely a good time. Um, hope everyone's having a good day. The sun's out here in Washington right now. Uh, gotta enjoy it while we can, because the Lord only knows once the rain comes back, it may just stay for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we don't see any blue sky unless you leave the state. So all my fellow PNW people, I hope you're outside 
enjoying the sunshine, getting that vitamin D, doing something active, um, which I guess kind of brings me into my first topic for today, since I'm doing some reminiscing. Uh, I'm going to go even further back than college, back to high school. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a beach kid, seaside Oregon. And, uh, I think of all the classes that I had in high school, there were probably two or three that kind of prepared me for being an adult, so to speak. Um, one of them was small engine repair. And I, I remember that class vividly because we would take like lawnmower motors and we disassemble them and we learn what all the, the internal parts were called and how they worked and where they went. And then we'd assemble them. And it was essentially a pass fail class. So when you disassembled your motor and then reassembled it, if the motor started, you passed. If the motor did not start, you did not pass. Simple, right? I mean, too bad all tests couldn't be like that. Either something works or it doesn't. Uh, fortunately for me, my motor started, so I, I passed that class. But that was obviously something that uh, I think going forward in my life uh, was good to know. A little bit of small engine repair, how things worked. Uh, it, by no means does that make me a mechanic. I'm not, I'm not a mechanic, but I did become familiar with motors, you know, to a certain extent. And, uh, it's helped me and my, my passion now of, of motorcycles. Cause you know, motors are all for the most part, essentially the same. They all essentially have the same parts that work in the same way. And, uh, having that base was, was good. Um, the other class, Ooh, and I just thought of a fourth one, but the, the second one, I took actually two years of foods. I took foods one and foods two. And I remember one of my good friends, his mom taught the class and she basically, she taught us how to cook. I mean, I can't think of a better class, uh, to, to have, you know, as you're preparing for adulthood. Great knowledge. Learn your way around a kitchen. Learn how to prepare your own food. So many people, I feel like, really take cooking for granted. And, you know, I'm not saying now that I cook, you know, all the time. But, you know, I'm, I'm capable. There are things that I can make. I can follow recipes if I want to. Um, I can't sit here and say that I, you know, I understand all the science, like, behind baking and you know, the certain orders and why you have to do things a certain way, you know, why you have to knead dough a certain amount of times, um, you know, puff pastry, the four folds and the roll and, you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, I don't get the science behind all that stuff, but that kind of class made us comfortable in the kitchen to be able to make our own food, you know, and... I, I probably, honestly, I think I probably cook more in college and like maybe my first 10 years out of school than I do now. Um, 
yeah, so that was the second class. Third class, and uh, never going to forget her. Suitsman, rest in peace. She was awesome. Um, home economics. Like, these are all classes that, like, you know, I see on, on social media, people just, you know, complaining, why don't they teach this? Why don't they teach that to prepare these kids? You know, we don't need no gender studies, blah, blah, blah. I was just fortunate enough that the school I went to actually offered these classes. You know, we had a full, uh, a full, basically a full garage as far as doing engine work and stuff like that. We had welding classes. We had woods classes. Um, we had the home ec classes, foods. Uh, this personal finance class, we learned how to balance checkbooks, which, okay, haha, now nobody is balancing checkbooks. But uh, back then, you had to, or you didn't know how much money you had. You know, we didn't have computers keeping track of all that stuff. There was no automated banking. So if you weren't keeping track in your check register uh, of all your deposits and withdrawals, you had no clue how much money you had. So she taught us how to balance a checkbook. She taught us how to do our taxes. She taught us how to live on a budget. We learned what W-2s and W-4s and 1099 forms are. Um, all that kind of stuff. And you know, looking back, I think I paid just enough attention that I was able to retain the important stuff that we went over. You know, obviously, you know, you're not remembering everything, but uh, I think I took that class when I was a, a sophomore in high school, but it was a great class. Um, and then the last class, and I could, for me, this was probably the most important class that that I took. And I'm going to mention this teacher coach by name. His name's Wally Hamer. He is one of the nicest humans I have ever met in my entire life. And uh, he was a basketball coach. Uh, he Actually, he played hoops in college. He played at Linfield College uh, back in his day. And he was he's a hell of a basketball player. Um, you know, we would get up in the morning sometimes like early, like 5 a.m. And, uh, some of us students would go and scrimmage with the teachers and, you know, we just play hoops before school and every once in a while, you know, weekends or after school or something, you know, just, you know, exercise. It was just fun. Old coach Wally, he would tear you up. He was a point guard. He was tough to stay in front of. Um, he taught... Well, he coached football, coached basketball, all around, did all kinds of health-related PE classes, stuff like that. The most important class that I feel like he taught, and probably one of the most important classes that I ever took, was called Fitness for Life. Fitness for Life. Think about that for a second. Fitness for your life. Okay. The whole premise of this class was to expose us to different kinds of activities, 
different kinds of fitness, different exercises, different games, uh, all kinds of different stuff to essentially find what we enjoy doing that we can then spread out over our lifetime, you know? And, you know, there's always the, and like, you know, in PE classes, you know, think back to when you were, when you were in high school, you know, you'd have, you know, like the jocks, you know, they were always excited for, for PE because they just got to play sports and just do physical stuff, you know? There was always that, and maybe this is a little stereotypical, but, you know, there was always that certain group of kids who did not care about PE and that, you know, they were always hurt or they were always sick or, you know, there's, and, you know, I got a doctor's note. I can't run the mile today. You know, wh- whatever it was, you know, they just, they weren't into what we were doing, you know, in the traditional sense of physical education. The whole point of this class I feel like now looking back was to get those kids as well as the kids who love PE exposed to things that we might enjoy doing into our twenties, into our thirties, into our forties, fifties, et cetera. Okay. And when I look back on those classes, those, those kids who in a traditional PE class uh, who were not excited about PE, were not excited about, you know, physical fitness tests, you know, we got to do push-ups and we got to go run and sit-ups and, you know, blah, blah, blah. They were actually excited for this class because it gave them a chance, one, to have a little bit of input as to what the group was going to do, but two, it exposed them to things that maybe they were interested in that a traditional PE class just didn't cover. So, for example, we might do swimming one day, and not just like any swimming. We would do, because I grew up at the beach, we did survival swimming, where we would jump in the pool fully clothed. Obviously not in our school clothes. We brought different clothes that we could change into and out of. Um, But we would learn how to make flotation devices out of our pants just in case we ended up stuck out in the ocean or in a lake or something like that. Water sports were very big where I grew up, you know, the, the whole beach culture, you know, lots of surfing, lots of fishing, you know, wakeboarding, stuff like that. I mean, in the summer, it's freezing cold in the winter time. We still surfed in the winter though, but um, it was cold. <laughs> We'd still get out there. But my point is, Water is, uh, uh, I think, a big part of every beach community kid's life. And uh, so we would do stuff like, you know, survival floating and how long can we tread water? And, you know, can we get clothes off to make flotation devices out of our pants? And then, you know, how how well are the, the pant legs holding air and stuff like that? We would go rollerblading. We would do aerobics. We would play different games. Um, We would do all kinds of stuff that was outside the norm of a traditional PE class. And when I look back at my life, I feel like all the 
the different activities, and I have some activities that, you know, no, no matter what I'm doing in my life, I'm always going to make time to lift weights. Um, I've since, you know, kind of gone away from a traditional gym, so to speak. I enjoy doing the CrossFit workouts. I enjoy kettlebell workouts and sandbags and, and stuff like that. You know, I'm not trying to lift, you know, big heavy weight anymore. Um, not, you know, at my age, I don't really see a point. Uh, but I've always enjoyed lifting weights, but I think more importantly, I just enjoy being active. Even if that means I go ride 50 miles in the trails on my dirt bike, which is ridiculously physically demanding. Um, I do enjoy swimming from time to time. I do enjoy going for runs. Um, I've always like loved volleyball and, you know, we played a lot of volleyball growing up at the beach. We played beach volleyball a lot in the summer. That's just what we did. Um, I think I have a different mindset toward fitness. Fitness doesn't have to simply be in a gym Monday through Friday, two hours a day, rigid, boring, Stairmaster, bench press, squat, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have to be that. The whole point of this Fitness for Life class was to find something that you love to do that you can do over the course of your life. And I understand injuries happen, you know, maybe kids get in the way and, you know, maybe there's some things that you just can't do anymore, but there's so many different activities out there that take a certain level of physical fitness, something out there has to speak to you on some level, you know? And the whole point of this class was find something that speaks to you that you can do over the course of your life. And if something happens where you're not able to do that, find something else. Be diverse about it. Have multiple things that you enjoy doing. You know, physical fitness is not just a one-trick pony. Physical fitness can be almost whatever you want it to be. I think the most important thing, though, is that you're up and you're moving and you're doing something. You know, even if you're going bowling two or three nights a week, you, you're moving. You're using your muscles. If you go for walks, you're moving. You're using your muscles. Okay. If you're riding dirt bikes, you're moving, you're using your muscles. So find something that you enjoy doing. Because if you hate to do it, you're not going to stick with it. You know, that's just, that's just obvious. I feel like nobody sticks with things that they hate to do. Nobody. So find something that you love, find something that fills your cup, find something that makes you happy, and then go do it. <laughs> go do it. And if you have kids, teach them the same mentality. I mean, kids really need to burn energy. So teach them, man. It's okay to play games. It's okay to to run. It's okay to play sports. It's okay to, you know, just be active. 
unplug a little bit, you know, put the phone away, close the computer, go outside, get some air. But I think most importantly, you know, back to the whole premise of what this fitness for life class was teaching and what, you know, coach Hamer was trying to instill in us as young teenagers was find something that you can do over the course of your life. And obviously interests change, but let them change to something that you love to do and continue to be active. All right. That's what I got for the first little opening topic. Next little topic. Oh, God. I feel like now all my rants are just going to be centered around MotoGP. Um, MotoGP, motorcycle racing, at its highest level, the Super Bowl of motorcycle racing that occurs over 18 rounds all over the world. This year is uh, it's been a great season, I should say. I, I've Honestly, I've really enjoyed watching all the races. I find myself now, though, getting a little bit frustrated because there are it's there are two rounds remaining. They're in Qatar now, uh, getting ready with practice sessions and qualifying on Saturday, and then the, they do a sprint race Saturday and then a main race on Sunday. Um, and then the final round will be in Valencia in Spain. Um, I think what a lot of MotoGP fans are frustrated about, at least every single fan that, that I've seen, is with this tire pressure rule. Ugh. Why are we talking about tire pressure rules? We have two people, Michael Bagnaya, Jorge Martin. They are the final two really legitimate contenders. Actually, mathematically, I think Bezeki still has a chance, but essentially he's out of it. Uh, Martin and, uh, and Pecco, they're, they're the ones fighting for the title this year. They have both already been assessed. Their warning penalty, but it's just a warning for excessive tire pressures. Okay. So with tire pressures, there's a minimum pressure and there's a maximum pressure. If your tire pressures dip below the minimum or exceed the maximum, offense you get a warning second offense you get docked i believe three seconds it could be more but i believe it's three seconds which in a moto gp race where literally these dudes are doing 215 to 220 miles an hour you know three seconds is a long ways so if you're penalized if you win a race let's say and you're penalized three seconds that might drop you back to third or fourth place, depending on how close the other riders are behind you. That could cost you a ton of points. And in this case, it could literally cost you the 2023 MotoGP World Championship, which to me is absolute horseshit. I'm sure you're wondering, oh, well, why don't they just set the tires so that they don't go below or above the limit. 
if only it were that simple. Okay. Now all these teams have engineers who make a ridiculous amount of money and they're all brilliant people. And, you know, the bikes have all these sensors all over them and, you know, blah, blah, blah. These guys are making educated guesses because there's no way to know how high tire temperature is going to go, which is going to cause the PSI in the tire to grow. And there's no way to know how low it's going to go. So if I'm right directly behind someone and I don't have that fresh, clean air helping to cool off my tire, the tire temperature is going to spike. Okay. So let's say then, okay, I'm going to set my tires so that it's not going to spike. It's not going to go too high. Well, what if you're out in front and now your tire temperatures, you've planned on them going higher, but now there's no one in front of you. So now your tire temperatures go too low. You're screwed again on the other end. For the fans, it's just extremely frustrating to see now races being affected. Case in point, the last race where there was no passing outside of the first two laps, that race was an absolute snooze fest of 20 laps of dudes just circling around because everyone's so paranoid about their tire pressures that nobody can attack. And as a fan, uh, I'm not shitting you. I just, I watched the first two laps. And you could immediately see what was happening. I skipped to halfway and then I just skipped to the end and nothing had changed. And I was like, fuck this. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And I think what everyone's fear is, is that there's going to be a legitimate battle on that track between Peko and, and Martine and one of them is going to get dinged for the tire pressure and it's going to cost them major, major points and possibly the world championship. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. I don't want to see that. No fan wants to see that. These manufacturers don't want to see that. Obviously, the racers don't want this. It's just absolute horseshit. And I don't understand. Well, I guess I kind of do understand Michelin is the tire manufacturer, and I'm sure they have lawyers in some corporate office for safety reasons telling them this is what it has to be. Because if someone gets hurt, we're screwed. So hopefully they come out with a better tire for next year that is able to be more consistent with its pressure. Um, And there's a lot more to it than... There's a lot more to it than just, you know, what I've said. There's, you know, ride height devices. There are the, the, the aerodynamics, the aero packages on these bikes are now creating way more downforce than what the tires are, are used to handling. And that's part of what's causing them to overheat. Like there's, this is, there's so many layers to this issue. Um, I, I really hope it does not cost one of these two phenomenal racers, uh, a championship one way or the other, you know, and here's the, here's the real shitty part. You don't know if you committed a violation until about an hour after the race is finished. When the, uh, when Dorna, the governing body has the opportunity to go over the data. (laughs) 
So you, you know, you, you may have thought that you won a race and then an hour later you find out that you were penalized for violating the, the, the tire pressure rule. Like what kind of shit is that? Show me another sport where something like that happens. Could you imagine the Super Bowl? Boom, final score, you know, Seahawks win the Super Bowl. And then like two hours later, well, after review, we determined that actually Seattle didn't win the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's just, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. All right. So that's that little rant for today. Hopefully it's not going to be an issue. I'm still going to tune in. I mean, I'm still watching the races this weekend. I don't, I don't miss them. Um, I just, I hope that everything works out for the best for, for everything, you know? I mean, ultimately it just makes for a horrible presentation to the fans. It's just, it's last, the last weekend was not a good race for the fans at all. It was, it was very boring. Uh, all right. Boxing corner. But really today's, uh, today's boxing corner, I think it kind of covers many aspects of life. Um, choosing the right environment when it comes to boxing, it was choosing the right gym. And I started out one gym and initially, you know, it was good, but there were some things that, you know, I wasn't happy with and uh, I'm not going to name this gym. Um, you know, I don't have anything personal against the coaches and, you know, the, the, the members that go there, like they're all great. It didn't have, it didn't have anything to do, you know, with the members. Um, it was just more like how things were being run um, and kind of the attention to detail that was being put into each one of us. And it was a situation that the longer I was there, the less happy I was becoming. And I felt like, I had plateaued and I felt like uh, I was capable of learning at a much quicker rate than, or I should say, I, yeah, I was able of, of learning at a quicker rate. I wasn't being challenged. And, uh, and I think given an opportunity to really test myself, you know, the only test was just really a physical test, you know, how, how much can I hit the heavy bag over the course of 90 minutes? Okay. Like, yeah, that's physically demanding, but I'm not learning anything from that. And it got to a point when we, when we would spar and, and guys from other gyms would come in, uh, I would see the uh, the difference in talent, the difference in skill. I shouldn't say talent. You know, everyone. You, you know, you can overcome talent. I should say the difference in skill, and uh, and it was it was getting frustrating for me, and I think that again, I'll you know, it's nothing personal against this gym, 
it just wasn't a good fit for me. And I feel like this is something that maybe just in our society in general, you know, we really kind of take for granted. And I think a lot of times we just allow ourselves to stay in situations that aren't good for us. And we know better. Like we know, like we got to get the fuck out of here. Like this isn't good. This is not healthy. This is giving me anxiety. This is making me depressed. This is costing me sleep. This is costing me happiness, you know, whether it's work, whether it's a relationship, friendships, whatever. Um, in this case, it was this, you know, the, the gym I was going to. Like it was just, it was not a good environment for me and I wasn't happy. And I feel like I put up with it, trying to be optimistic, hoping that it was going to turn into a better fit for what I was wanting. And that wasn't the case. And if anything, it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, and then it got to a point to where I just knew I couldn't go back anymore. And I'd gone on vacation. And when I had come back, I was like, hell no, I, I cannot go there. I'm done. So. You know, I, I guess I did what any passive aggressive man would do. I sent an email to the coach explaining, you know, kind of what my, my thoughts were. And I just wanted to take, you know, my training in a different direction. And I joined a different gym that has been night and day, uh, a great fit, a great group of young men and women, um, the coaches, the attention to detail, the the one-on-one -on -one work that we get to do, not sparring one-on-one, -on -one, but one-on-one -on -one with the coaches, the, the critiques that we get, the feedback. It's what I thought joining a boxing gym was going to be the first time. And while I don't regret that experience of the first gym, uh, I am so happy that... Uh, that I moved to, to brick three boxing. It, it has been nothing short of, you know, a lifesaver for this kind of this, I guess I'll call it what it is. It's been a dream of mine, you know, to learn how, and I've dreamed about it forever. And, you know, I think I was just on some levels too scared to do it. And then other sports got in the way and, you know, I just didn't have the time or didn't want to make the time. Um, I think it's a good combination of, of all of those things. And I finally reached a point where, you know, I can only sit around and dream about something for so long. I just need to go do it. And unfortunately, the first gym just didn't turn out the way I had envisioned. But I feel like I've now found my home. And uh, I couldn't be happier. But, you know, like I said earlier, this goes back to really any aspect of our life, you know, don't settle, uh, don't settle. And if like, if you hate your job and fucking quit, go find something you like to do. You know, like I understand if you had to provide for your family, uh, and maybe, you know, you're just kind of stuck where you are, but it doesn't mean you can't start to make plans for a transition and start to get something lined up so that you can make a change. You know, if you're dating someone you don't like, why would you stay with them? Get out of that. Like, go be happy. Go do something or be somewhere that makes you happy. Okay? And I think that's, for this boxing corner, 
that has been the the biggest thing for me is finding somewhere that now makes me happy that I'm excited I'm excited to go to practice uh, I, I'm excited to do the work um, you know that's it I'm just I'm so excited and I'm so happy so for whatever that's worth uh, you know all uh well three people have listened to the podcast so three people do it man just whatever it is that maybe you're hesitant about the switch just fucking make that switch if you need to make the switch just do it all right it'll it'll pay off or it won't pay off but at least you'll know and then you try again and it's okay to fail and try again um so that's my boxing corner for today um and that's my show for today so uh, it's Friday. I think I'm probably going to take the weekend off from uh, doing any recordings, but I'll be back next week with some more topics. And uh, I hope everyone is able to get outside and enjoy the sun while we have it and have a great weekend.